You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I love this. What do these men do? Instead of crying like a little girl, like I would, instead of moaning and groaning, instead of calling out to God, destroy my enemies, Lord, take them away from me, or complaining to God, why did this happen to me in the midst of these circumstances? What's going on? No, they prayed loudly and sung hymns. They found themselves, and they prayed loudly, and they sung hymns, and everybody was hearing them. Paul and Silas were chained in a dungeon, but they prayed and sang hymns loudly for all to hear. Today, Pastor Dave challenges us in his message to pray and sing hymns in our difficult circumstances. Like Paul and Silas, we need to set an example for others. By your actions, we can show how to trust and praise God in all circumstances. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 16 as he begins his message, What Must I Do to Be Saved? So we're going to be in Acts 16. We're going to be looking at verses 25 through 31, an amazing story, a wonderful story of the Lord and how he just continues to provide for these wonderful uh, people that we've been studying. So if you look in your Bibles, turn to your Bibles there. Acts 16, verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaking, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your whole household. I'd like to begin this morning by asking you a question. Let's see how you respond to this. You're driving along one day and you come upon a scene of an accident. You're the first one to arrive at the scene, and it looks very bad. It appears that the car is skidded off the highway and slammed into a tree. The impact was tremendous by the looks of the damage. Looking in, you see only one occupant, and he is extremely in critical condition. He's bleeding profusely, and he's in a state of semi-consciousness. Someone else pulls up, and you ask them, call 911, I'm going to stay with this guy. You look in, and as you're looking in, his mouth is moving, but you can't hear words. You go to the other side, and you listen intently, and he says, I'm afraid of dying. I don't know anything about God. What do I do? You know in your heart that time is short for him. There's not much left. My question this morning is, what do you say? 
What do you say to this man that's going to comfort him and give him assurance? What do you say? R. Kent Hughes tells this story about Bishop John Taylor Smith. He was an honorary chaplain to Queen Victoria and the chaplain general of the British Army during World War I. He was known as everybody's chaplain with his jovial, saintly attitude, and he was a favorite speaker at the Keswick conferences. He would ask the same question to all potential candidates for the chaplaincy. This is the question. Now, I want you to show me how you would deal with a man. Well, we'll suppose I am a soldier who has been wounded on the field. I have three minutes to live, and I'm afraid to die because I do not know Christ. Tell me. How may I be saved and die with insurance that is all well? If the applicant began to beat around the bush and talk about the true church and the ordinances and so on, the good bishop would say, that will not do. I only have three minutes to live. Tell me what I must do. As long as Bishop Smith was chaplain general, unless a candidate could answer that question, he could not become a chaplain in the British Army. You see, Bishop Smith was right. A gospel that cannot save a dying man is no gospel at all. Where's the good news in that? A gospel that initially requires more than faith alone is really no gospel at all. That's not good news either, especially if you don't have very much time. How would you answer either question is my questions for you today. What is it that you would say to these people, to this man? What is it you would say? It's my hope and prayer that at the end of today, you would know what to say. At the end of the day, you would have something to say if you were ever placed in that situation. Today, we're going to look at the events, the amazing events that happened that night that Paul and Silas were arrested in the town of Philippi where they were ministering to a slave girl. They were arrested, they were beaten, and they were thrown into jail. Let me refresh your memory. Our dream team of Paul, Silas, and Timothy and Luke had come to Philippi. They had answered the call of Paul's vision. You remember the vision he had where there was a man from Macedonia that said, come, help us, come and help us. They had had some success in Philippi. They preached the gospel to Lydia, the woman from Thyatira, remember? The Lord opened her heart and she received salvation through Jesus Christ. It was a wonderful time. Lydia's salvation must have been a time of encouragement for the apostles and his group. It must have been a wonderful time of enlightenment, seeing someone saved, because I know whenever we have salvation, people get excited, and there's a wonderful feeling of joy. This is, must have been what the apostle and his group were feeling. This was confirmation that they were really following the Lord's lead, and Paul's dream wasn't just some pepperoni he ate the night before. They had answered the Lord's call. They had been led of the Holy Spirit. And they were ministering now in Philippi where the Spirit had led them. Things were going well, right? Yeah, they were. But remember we said that Satan is ever ready. He's like that battery. He's ever ready to thwart any attempt for the gospel to be preached. This group now goes out the second time. They had so much success, they're going to go back out. And they come across another woman. But she's a slave girl and she's demon-possessed. She had a spirit of divination. The people around her actually believed that she was possessed by the spirit of Python. Python was a huge snake that guarded the temple of Apollo, according to mythology. 
This slave girl follows the group everywhere they go. Everywhere the group goes, she follows them, and she announces who they are. Remember in Acts 16, verse 17? These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Although she's speaking the truth, Paul doesn't want to be associated with anything to do with Satan. He doesn't need Satan to be his publicity agent. So he eventually gets annoyed, and he casts out this demon in the name of Jesus Christ. The demon leaves this girl. Of course, the girl is now free from bondage. Not only from Satan, but from the men who held her captive and who made her work for a living because these men made great profit from her fortune telling. Remember our quote from last week? Whenever the preaching of the gospel touches the economic structure of the powers that be, opposition should come. We talked about that in great length. See, the men who owned the slave girl now lost their gravy train. They lost their meal ticket, and they were kind of upset. They weren't real pleased about it. So they had Paul and Silas arrested, and they were brought before the magistrates. This was their crime. You can find that in Acts 16, verses 20 and 21. These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to deceive or observe. Their crime was one of religious crime. It was one of racial crime. They were against these men because they were Jews, and they were preaching something that wasn't lawful. The magistrates were moved by both religious and racial prejudices and did not fully investigate the matter. Instead, they were swayed because they had two guys who they knew for a long, long time, and they'd lost income. That's what led to their decision. So what do they do? They throw Paul and Silas into prison, but before they do that, they beat them. Look at verses 23 and 24. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them in the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely, having received such a charge. He put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Remember last week, I asked the question, okay, disciple, what do you do? What do you do now? Your back is bloodied. You're in jail. You're in stocks in a dungeon for preaching the word. What do you do now, disciple? Well, I told you what I would do. I'd probably cry like a little girl. I'd probably be sitting there crying all the time, moaning and groaning. They didn't do that. They were in prison. Things looked pretty bad. Were they thinking that this could be the end of their missionary journey? Were they thinking this could be the end of their life? They didn't know what was going to happen. They had no idea what was going to happen, but the Lord knew. And what happens next is really remarkable. And it's one of the best stories in the book of Acts. It is fantastic when you look at it. Let's begin. We'll read Acts 16.25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I love this. What do these men do? Instead of crying like a little girl like I would, instead of moaning and groaning, instead of calling out to God, destroy my enemies, Lord, take them away from me, or complaining to God, why did this happen to me in the midst of these circumstances? What's going on? No, they prayed loudly and sung hymns. They found themselves, and they prayed loudly, and they sung hymns, and everybody was hearing them. Here in the darkest dungeon, their backs stinging and bloodied by a beating with rods, their feet placed in stocks. Get this. They can't move. They can't lie down. 
They're probably hurting like they've never hurt before in their lives. They can't even console one another. They're there. They're probably stuck together. They're probably chained. And the first thing they want to do is pray and have a worship session. The first thing they do is they, they pray and want to have a worship time, a time of worship to God. <laughs> Hughes says this about that. This was more dramatic than the earthquake that was going to follow. Singing songs from the bowels of a miserable, vermin-infested pit? Yes, because the realities of these men's heart exceeded their miserable circumstances. They were most secure in Christ, and this brought glory to God. At midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. Again, we see these participles that are used in the Greek language, and the words are actually means they were continually praying, continually singing. In other words, they wouldn't shut up. They wouldn't stop singing and praising God. The cold fact here is they had no reason to expect a miracle. There was absolutely no reason to expect a miracle. I mean, after all, God had delivered Peter. We read about that, right? But Stephen and James were martyred. They knew about that. They had no right. They, they didn't know what to expect. They didn't know what was going to happen next, but anyhow, they praised God. They sang praises to God in the midst of their circumstances. Why? Why could they do this? How could they do this? Well, first of all, I think that they actually believed that they were more Christ prisoners than they were prisoners of Rome. And because of this, secondly, because they were Christ's disciples and they were completely devoted to him, they passionately believed that God could deliver them anytime and any place and from anything. They believed that with all their heart. Thirdly, they believed God's word. They believed God's word. I wonder if they remember the psalmist in Psalm 46, beginning in 1 to 3. I wonder if they remember this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake and it's swelling. There's a great song out right now. I'm not really sure who sings it. I think it's Casting Crowns, but forgive me if I'm wrong. It's called, I Will Praise You in the Storm. One of the verses says, I will lift my head because you are who you are. Wow. In the midst of the storm, can you lift your head because you know God is who he is? Are you securing your relationship with God to be able to lift your head in the midst of the deepest, darkest time of your life? And I know some of your lives, and you're going through some pretty, pretty tough times right now. Can you lift your head to the God most high and say, though you may slay me, I will still serve you? That's what's happening here. These guys have no idea what's going to happen. This is very similar to what happened to three buddies in Daniel 3, verse 16 and 19. You know the three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were told that they had to bow down every time they heard a certain thing. They had to worship this idol, this image. Somebody ratted on them. Nebuchadnezzar was surly mad. He was going to throw them into the fiery furnace. He's going to pick them up and throw them right into the fiery furnace. And if you look at verses 16 and 19 in chapter 3 of Daniel, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king and said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. 
and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image that you have set up. They were secure. They believed that God could rescue them at any time and deliver them out of that hand. They were confident that if they went into the fiery furnace, two things were going to happen. Either God was going to rescue them, or they would see God face to face. And you know what they called that? A win-win. It was a win-win. You're going to rescue me? Praise God. You know the rest of the story. I got thrown into the furnace. All of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar looks in and goes, hold a phone. Didn't we throw three guys in there? Well, yeah, king. Well, then how come I see fourth? And wait, the fourth looks like the son of God. Hmm. When you're going through a hard time, when you're going through a hard time, when you're about ready to be thrown in the fiery furnace, and when people look at you, they don't see you, they see Jesus. That's what we want. I pray you have that kind of confidence in God. I pray you have that kind of confidence to know that he is able to deliver you from any circumstance. He is able to deliver you. And I pray that if you have the confidence that if he does not deliver you, he will give you the strength and the power to endure. Notice the scripture says that all the prisoners were listening to them. Well, they did have a captive audience. That was a bad pun, I'm sorry. But it's important. All these prisoners are listening to these guys sing. All these prisoners are listening to them praise God and sing. All these prisoners were hearing the word of God through the songs and the hymns that they were singing. And these prisoners were being comforted also. These prisoners were hearing the word of God and God was comforting their heart. They're there. I'm sure that they were amazed that Paul and Silas were doing this as well. Like, what are these guys doing? They knew and they believed that what Paul and Silas said was true. They knew Paul and Silas were the real deal. When you talk to somebody about Christ, do they believe that you believe it? It's important. It's really important when you're talking to somebody about Christ. These prisoners believed that Paul and Silas were the real deal. They believed it. Okay, look what happens next. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaking, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. Wow. This was no ordinary prayer and worship service. The Lord answered in a mighty way. He sent this tremendous earthquake. Their singing literally brought the house down. It literally brought down the house. An earthquake. An earthquake happens. The jail falls completely apart. The chains are broken and doors fly open. You talk about spirit-filled worship. Wow. Paul and Silas lift their voices to the Lord in prayer and praise. And at midnight, in this dingy, dark dungeon, the Lord responds in a mighty, mighty way. Wow. Imagine now. It's midnight and you can't sleep. You might be having bad dreams. You might be having anxious moments. Your thoughts might be towards that bill that hasn't been paid yet. Your thoughts might be towards what you have to accomplish the next day. You may be thinking about that prodigal son or prodigal daughter that keeps getting further and further and further away from the Lord. You might be in pain. It may be physical pain. It may be emotional pain. It may be some spiritual pain. In times like these, we need to cry out to God in song. 
We need to cry out to the living God in praise and worship. Interesting phrase in Job 35, verse 10. Elihu, one of Job's buddies, is telling Job this, that even if God doesn't relieve his burden, God gives songs in the night. God gives us songs in the night. This is very similar to what the psalmist said in Psalm 42, verse 8. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, a prayer to God of my life. Or in Psalm 77, verse 6, it says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. Listen to what Spurgeon said about this. Anyone can sing in the day, he says. It's easy to sing when you can read the notes by daylight, but he is a skillful singer who can sing when there is not a ray of light in which to read. He continues, God may not remove our burdens, but he always gives us strength to bear them and a song to sing while we're doing it. I'm sure you never have bad days. I have a few. Did you ever have a bad day and you're just really feeling pretty down and Things aren't just going the way you think they should go. You might be doing some questioning. You have to go somewhere and you get in the car and you turn the radio on and it's on your favorite Christian radio station and the song played is just a song you need. Just a song you need that tells you all about God's love. It could even be the song that you were singing before you got in the car. It could even be something. Coincidence, huh? Let's move on. Acts 16, 27 and 28. The keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing this prison door open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. This is remarkable. This is remarkable to me. Roman law dictated that if any prisoner escaped, the guard responsible for watching that prisoner was to be given the same punishment. So if this jailer wants to kill himself, that means there were people in prison who were awaiting capital punishment. They were, had the death sentence. Here we see the true heart of Paul. Remember we talked about the heart transplant? Paul is now a long, long way from Damascus Road. His heart transplant is complete. The old man, Paul, would have watched the jailer take his life because the jailer was his enemy. The old man Paul would have watched there and probably even reveled had this man killed himself in a revenge type thing, Paul would feel good. But now the new man Paul had compassion on the jailer. He had a new heart and he wanted to see this man saved. He wanted to see this man come to the Lord. He wanted to talk to him about Jesus. What's astonishing here is the answer that they give the jailer. We are all here. All this means that none of the prisoners escaped after the earthquake. Not one. Now, you're in prison for who knows what. Some of you may be even waiting the death penalty. There's an earthquake. Walls fall down. Chains fall off your feet and your legs. And you don't escape. Either they were too frightened to escape or the Lord was doing a mighty work in their hearts. You are assured. You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. 
Pastor Dave has been making his way through the book of Acts, an exciting adventure into the beginnings of the Christian church. These first few days, weeks, months, and years of the Christian ministry were filled with much faith and courage. In fact, the very first martyrs were mentioned in this book. It was an interesting time in history for sure, and just like today, some people were eager to hear about Jesus, and others were looking to put those down who follow after him. What are some of the things that have stood out to you about today's message? We'd like to hear about it. Would you give us a call? Let us know how this message has impacted you. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that number is 609-884-5821. If you're in the Cape May area, you're invited to join us at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, and we'd like to get to know you and worship God together this weekend. Check out AssureHopeRadio.com to find out service times. Again, that's AssureHopeRadio.com. And if you can't make it in person, we stream our services live to Facebook and YouTube. Just look for the links at AssureHopeRadio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But we hope you'll join us again on the next edition. Pastor Dave will continue on in the book of Acts, helping you understand and appreciate this great book here on Assure Hope. Bye.